DiscerningHearts.com presents The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. For over 20 years, Dr. Bunsen has been active in the area of Catholic social communications and education, including writing, editing, and teaching on a variety of topics related to church history, the papacy, the saints, and Catholic culture. He is the faculty chair at the Catholic Distance University, a senior fellow of the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology, and the author or co-author of over 50 books, including the Encyclopedia of Catholic History and the best-selling biographies of St. Damien of Molokai and St. Kateri Tekakawitha. He also serves as a senior editor for the National Catholic Register and is a senior contributor to EWTN News. The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom, with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Dr. Bunsen, thank you for joining me. A great joy to be with you, Chris. What a delight to be able to talk about a saint that many, many people know, or do they really know, Anthony of Padua? <laughs> well, when uh, we uh, approach the topic of Anthony of Padua, you're absolutely right. This is one of the most beloved saints in the life of the church, so much so that people even forget the fact that he's a doctor of the church. Uh, just a, a quick list of his uh, uh, positions as, as patron saint or, or his patronage. He's the patron saint, for example, of amputees, of Brazil, of fishermen, of harvests, of horses, of course, of, of anything that's lost or missing that we will want to talk about that. He's also the uh, the patron saint of of male of of mariners of the poor of pregnant women of shipwrecks of swineherds also of travelers and even uh, water carriers. So over the centuries, Anthony of Padua is a friend to so many, and he is such a friend that we also tend to forget that he, in his lifetime and afterwards, became known as the hammer of heretics for the clarity and genius of his teachings, but above all, for his preaching. Many people love him, but they really, at heart, they don't know him. I mean, uh, for the longest time, I, I'll say it, I presumed he was from Italy. He was Italian. I didn't even appreciate the fact that he was Portuguese. <laughs> right. Well, his, his name is Anthony of Padua. Well, why wouldn't he be from Italy? Uh-huh, exactly. And in truth, uh, he was born in Lisbon. It is thought that um, he was a descendant of the great figure, the, the knight who helped lead the First Crusade, Godfrey de Bouillon. And he was born uh, with the name Fernando Martins. Both of his parents were fairly prominent uh, in Portugal. They were wealthy because of their noble connections. Uh, they were able to provide their son with a, a very good education and accepted the fact that uh, he wanted to enter the religious life. What is often not known is that uh, he was not initially a Franciscan. He was, in fact, uh, a member of the Augustinians, of the Canons Regular at the uh, Augustinian Abbey uh, just outside of Lisbon. From the start, though, he felt called to something else. Uh, he wanted, for example, uh, a, a deeper life of prayer and became 
so tired of the distractions and uh, the visits from his own family and from friends and acquaintances that he was transferred uh, to Coimbra, which was at the time the capital of Portugal, uh, where he studied and prayed and had, uh, as God often so beautifully arranges, a very fateful encounter with Franciscans uh, not too long after his ordination to the priesthood. This is very early in the in the life of the Franciscan order, isn't it? Francis is still alive. Yes, yes, and uh, that's something we'll be we'll be talking about um, in a little bit. It is said that uh, he encountered uh, a group of Franciscan friars who had settled in a small hermitage uh, not too far from the the Augustinian house that was dedicated to St. Anthony of the Desert, St. Anthony of Egypt. And he really was uh, drawn to this community. And the simplicity of life, the life of prayer, the life of service, but I think especially the the constant gift of yourself. The, the, the Augustinians were a solid community, so in no way is this a disparagement of them. But there was something very particular uh, of the life of the Franciscans that attracted uh, Anthony, that attracted Fernando, as he was then known. But there was also an event that happened, and, and that was that news arrived of the martyrdom of five Franciscans in Morocco. They were the first members of the Franciscans uh, to be martyred for the faith. And we have to remember that the, the, the order itself, the Franciscans, were barely a decade old at this point. Their bodies uh, had been ransomed by the king of Portugal and had been brought back to Portugal. Now, to see these martyrs as they were brought, uh, headless, their bodies disfigured, I think really was that moment where he knew he was called uh, to become a Franciscan. And so he asked permission uh, to accept to be accepted into the, the Franciscan order uh, at Santa Croce. He was a, a brilliant theological student, that could be said, yes. Yes. I mean, so it, it wasn't, here we have one incredible gift of the mind, but desiring so very deeply in his heart to be united to, to God, to Christ in prayer. Yes, yes. And subjecting himself completely to the will of God. Anthony, who he took the name Anthony in honor of St. Anthony of the Desert from that community, wanted to emulate those who had died for the faith in Morocco. So he wanted to set out for Morocco. But what happened? Of course, he became ill. He was ill for almost an entire winter. Then uh, he wanted to uh, sail to Portugal, you know, to, to get back uh, to Portugal. And instead, the, the ship you know, encountered storms 
And where does he end up but Sicily? And there he needs to recover and hears that uh, St. Francis has organized a general chapter at Assisi. And so he goes to Assisi. And uh, as so often happens again and again, uh, he allowed himself to be shaped by God. And he was initially assigned to a very rustic setting uh, near Forli in the, the, the Italian region of Romagna. And he dedicated himself to private prayer and study. And it was around this time, too, in Forli, that his great skills uh, as a preacher were first discovered. And there's a story, uh, it, it's almost certainly true, that a group of Dominicans were visiting, and there was some confusion as to who was supposed to be preaching, the Franciscans or the Dominicans. And the Franciscans, uh, being hospitable, uh, assumed the Dominicans would, but the Dominicans felt that they were not prepared, uh, being Dominicans, uh, to give a decent homily. And so the, the head of the small community of Franciscans called on Anthony to preach. And the result was that uh, he instantly distinguished himself as a brilliant homilist, especially in his knowledge of scripture and deep insights into the human condition. And as a result, uh, that reputation continued to spread. So that by the time of his encounter with St. Francis, uh, it was obvious to all of the leaders of the order that they had on their hands a truly brilliant friar. That encounter with St. Francis, would you say that was, I mean, his whole experience is transformative, but that was a, a, a real key moment, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Francis, uh, as you well know, Chris, uh, was not a huge fan of uh, training the Franciscans in profound theology. He understood that it was important for them to know the faith, to be able to do theology. But I think he had a certain suspicion of the, the kind of uh, recondite uh, theologians that he encountered uh, and, and feared, I think, that um, that sort of showy theology that, that at times he encountered uh, could get in the way of that call to the, the, the life, the rule that he wanted for his brothers. And yet, uh, he recognized in Anthony that here was someone who would be able to teach theology to the brothers, to the friars, in a way that would not interfere with uh, their authentic life. And, and that was... That certainly is the truth of the, and one of the strengths of the, the Franciscan order, that they are able to combine such deep and, and beautiful study of theology without losing. In fact, it deepens uh, the, the rule, the, the life that they're called to. And so he sent a note uh, to Anthony instructing him to teach. And... That was something that Anthony then took on as a very 
serious profession uh, and a task uh, that he was able to carry forward for some time. Would you say, Matthew, this is at the heart of why he has been elevated to a doctor of the church and not necessarily because he helped you find your keys? <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the, the heart of Anthony, uh, to appreciate it, is to understand his teaching, his sermons in particular. Now, he became provincial of the, the brothers of the, the Franciscans in northern Italy. And at, throughout all of this time, he, was, he had been teaching in Bologna. He was a provincial, but he was also the great preacher. And that is how, in a way, that the, the, at the end of his term, uh, he found himself in Padua. That's why we call him Anthony of Padua, because he gained such a widespread reputation for his preaching there that everyone just assumed he was from there. Now, he died, remember, at a very young age. Uh, he died at the age of 35, which is a kind of unimaginable given uh, the, the level of love and uh, devotion that people have to him. You, we have this image in our heads, uh, another one of those false ideas, that, that Anthony lived to be 100 and spent his life accomplishing all of these things. He packed into such a short life so much accomplishment that he was known first for his preaching, but then also obviously for his other skills. But Gregory the Ninth, having heard Anthony preach, called him the Ark of the Testament. And miracles were attested uh, to the power of his preaching in transforming souls and transforming lives. Now, Pope Benedict XVI, in his reflections on Anthony, talks about the fact that uh, there were some really important cycles of writings that, that Anthony left to us, of sermons, uh, Sunday sermons and sermons on the saints, that were to be used by Franciscan preachers and then teachers of theology. And as Benedict points out, that in the sermons, Anthony commented on the texts of Scripture presented in the liturgy. He used uh, patristic and medieval interpretations of the, the literal, historical, allegorical, and tropological or moral uh, senses of Scripture, as well as uh, the anagogical, which orients a person to eternal life. In other words, uh, in his use of the four senses of Scripture, Anthony had perfected beautifully in his preaching the finest uh, approaches to understanding scripture of his age. And this is something that uh, Pope Benedict XVI himself, if we uh, go back to his own writings on scripture, has called for the church today to recapture. So in his sermons, in his teachings, and in his, uh, his own uh, exegesis of scripture, Anthony provides us today a great model for how we should be looking and praying on scripture, how to interpret scripture in those different dimensions 
And it was because of the, the, the depth of his spiritual teachings contained just in those sermons that in 1946, Pius XII proclaimed him a doctor of the church and gave him the title Dr. Evangelicus, in other words, the evangelizing doctor. And we can always go back to these sermons and to his exegesis to appreciate fully why he holds that title. We'll return in just a moment to The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom, with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. The Creed I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. 
If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom, with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. He was also known, because of this, just his sanctity, he was also an incredible spiritual director. He was. And a preacher, wasn't he? And confessor. Yes, yes. Uh, his, his preaching... There, there are a couple of uh, great stories that we always hear about him. The, the, the one about uh, why he's the, the patron saint for lost things. The, the famous story about the, the book uh, that was taken by a, a young friar uh, and then was that, that he especially loved, discovered that the book was missing. He prayed that it would be found or, or brought back to him through a movement of his heart, this novice who took the book. Uh, brought the book back and returned it. It's my understanding that the, the book itself is still on display, or was on display, in Bologna, in the Franciscan Friar, where it was first stolen. Stories like that, but then there's the, the, the famous incident of his preaching to the fishes. Now, why do we focus on that? Well, he was known, as we said, as the hammer of heretics. And his preaching brought about the conversion of many heretics at the time, the Cathars and the Albigensians, at a time, in fact, when uh, the, the work of the Dominicans, uh, you know, Dominic, uh, began uh, his incredible work, uh, trying to convert the heretics of his era. And so Anthony, in his own way, contributed to unity in the church, to healing the the evils wrought by heresy. And uh, they always talk about different stories uh, that took place as a result of miracles that took place, uh, including the fact that he was rejected by a group and instead preached to the fish. Now, naturalists love to, the New Age crowd loves to, to talk about this, that uh, he was trying to convert the fish or that, uh, that, that he was some sort of a pantheist. In point of fact, he was, he was teaching a very powerful lesson, that the, the beauty of the teachings of the church uh, should not be wasted on anything. And he preached simply for the glory of God to proclaim the beauty and majesty of our Lord and the fact that only the fish in this part of the world at that point were willing to listen to him was a greater indictment of the heretics who had rejected him because even nature itself comprehended the truth of his teachings. His death would, would it come as, a, yes, it was at a young age, but it, was a, it would come as a surprise to the order didn't it? I mean, he was such a powerful figure, and then to have lose him really quite suddenly and so young. Yeah, uh, it is said that he uh, he died uh, on the way back uh, to Padua, 
and uh, at the, the, the poor, Clare, uh, poor Clare Monastery. As I said, he was only 35 years old. I think it is safe to say that uh, he would have played a very, very significant role in the, the future life of the Franciscan order had he lived. Uh, we think of Bonaventure as playing such a key role in uh, later decades. I think Anthony would have uh, eventually proven to be a very worthy heir uh, to St. Francis. But such is uh, the, the, the work of, of Providence uh, that he died when he was supposed to. And there is that added story that uh, his fame continued to spread. And then, of course, the discovery uh, that uh, he was found later with his tongue uh, completely uh, incorrupt. That it was a testament that even as his body at the time of his exhumation, three decades after his death, had decayed, it was said that his, his tongue looked as though it was ready to speak, ready to help someone form words. And uh, that tells us something of the gift of his preaching and the approval that it carried spiritually. And he was canonized in one of the fastest processes in the history of the church. He was canonized uh, by Pope Gregory IX less than a year after his death. And we can certainly appreciate why. And from that time, he has remained uh, this, this incredible friend to so many. And I'm very grateful that through this show, we're able to focus less on the stories around St. Anthony and more on the content of who he was and what he actually preached. When we see images of Anthony, he is almost always accompanied by the child of Jesus. He is holding the child Jesus. Yes. Why is that? Well, we see him uh, in a couple of ways. As you say, he is often also seen with a white lily stalk that uh, presents uh, his uh, purity. Uh, probably the greatest of uh, the, the images of him uh, was perfected by, uh, by Titian. And we see Anthony in such beauty because of, of, of Titian. But there is also the, the, the classic story that uh, the infant Jesus appeared to him. And it was, again, a testament to his holiness and to uh, his purity uh, that the infant appeared to him. Any final thoughts, Matthew? Yes. One of the things that uh, we, we can have as a takeaway is that uh, Anthony gave something as, a, as an ongoing gift to the, uh, the Franciscan order, and that is that he was one of the very first to help establish the theological traditions uh, in uh, the, the order of the friars. Pope Benedict meditated on this very thing, and, and he talks about the fact, for example, that the, the Franciscans, in part because of Anthony, always put Christ at the center of their lives. And Christ's love for humanity, focusing on the nativity, 
but also focusing on the cross. And Anthony helped establish that tradition that was then taken up by Bonaventure and Duns Scotus and others to follow, and that continues to resonate in the order today. And that's something, too, that we need to celebrate and to meditate on. Dr. Brunson, thank you so much. A great privilege to be with you, Chris. You've been listening to The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. To hear and or to download this program along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to support our efforts. But most of all, we pray that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. 